Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By transcription, the first great international arbitration ever attempted. I'd like to see if it can't work. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True, human stories of Mr. President. In a moment, we'll bring you Edward Arnold as the man in the White House. Many years ago, the president sat in a ladder-backed cane-bottomed chair and read reports written by young men whose wages he paid out of his own pocket. No telephones plagued him. He could come and go as he pleased, take a swim in the Potomac, or ride in the woods around Washington. Today, the president sits in an air-conditioned office, surrounded by telephones, dictating into a wire recorder. If he wants to walk, he must stay inside the black iron bars enclosing the White House grounds. From the ladder back chair to air conditioning, from then to now, many presidents have lived in the White House. Men of differing personalities, tempers, and talents. Edward Arnold portrays one of them each week at this time. Listen now and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. <laughs> Here's a story that happened in Washington a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the president was. It was dinner time, and the president, his wife, his father, and his father-in-law, and his small son were at dinner. 
<clears throat> cornbread again. Well, we're having it in honor of Colonel Dent, father. He's quite fond of cornbread. Ah, uh, the swill eat down south. Up north, we feed that kind of stuff to the pigs. Now, you just listen to me. Cornbread is one of the best things a man can eat. Maybe, in the south. I'll thank you to repeat what you just said, sir. I said maybe cornbread is one of the best things a man can eat in the south. Will you remove your glasses and step outside and say that? I most certainly will. Grandpa's having another fight with Grandpa. Now, boys, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, you keep out of this, son. We're quite capable of settling this matter between ourselves. Well, we might be able to eat a lot of things in the South if it hadn't been for you ding-busted Yankees. Now, Father, please. Uh, well, are you coming outside or aren't you? Just give me a minute till I finish my cornbread. Grandpa! The Civil War is over. Not in this house, it isn't. When you attack a man in his cornbread, you're really going too far, sir. You really ah, are. The trouble with you Southerners is you're, you're all too thin-skinned. And what about you Northerners, Father? Yeah, did you hear that? Your own son said that. Out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> oh, I hardly think you could call me a babe, Father, then. This whole argument is silly, and I'm not going to permit it to continue. I'm going to ring for dessert. You may clear for dessert, George. There's time before dessert to go out and settle the argument, Grandpa. Now, son, that's enough. Father, I want you and the president's father to sit down and put your glasses back on. Now, see here, Julia, you can't treat us as though we were children. When you act like children, I see no other way to treat you. Did you hear what he said about the sound? He was just trying to get your dander up, Father. But he suddenly succeeded. <laughs> Sin's kin, that's what I call it, thin Father, father. We all have a fight. Because it isn't nice to fight. My father's the greatest fighter in the world. Oh, I don't know as I'd say that, son. There are a few other brave fighters that are entitled to some consideration, too. Yes, and a lot of them come from the South. Mm, that's quite true. There were brave men on both sides, but the war is over now. If you and Colonel Dent would just try to realize that, father, it's one nation... And the South and the North and the East and the West and everything in between are all part of that nation. It's time to forget the bitterness of the past and look towards the hope of the future. Well, all right. Give me a piece of that fool cornbread. <laughs> Good. That at least is a step in the right direction. Grandpa, when are you going to give me that watch you promised me? Now, son. But he promised to give it to me when I wrote him a letter. And I wrote uh, Well, my boy, I think you're a little young yet for a handsome watch like this, but uh, I consider it yours. Well, how can it be mine if you're keeping it? I can't wait to see you get out of that one. Uh, it is your watch, boy. I I'm just uh, taking care of it for you. That's not enough for you. Cheating a little boy out of his watch. I'm not cheating him out of it. I just want to be sure he's big enough to take care of it by the time he gets it. I'll give you my watch, son. No, father, that isn't necessary. I think our son can wait a little longer for his watch. I was going to tell time. He can tell time from the clocks in the house. Northern time. I resent your tone, sir. What's wrong with northern time? I shall be very happy to tell you. In the first place... No, father. No? No. Oh. Oh, well, I guess you're right, Julia. Dratted Yankees just can't take criticism. Oh, I don't think that's true, Father Dent. We can take criticism. But there's a limit to how much criticism we can take, just as there's a limit as to how much criticism you can take. Well, now, sir, let me tell you something. In the Shenandoah campaign... Now, Father Dent, I don't want to seem rude, but could we take this up another time? 
The Secretary of State is due any minute, and I have a very important matter to take up with him. Hey, here, you, you take the watch, boy. Thanks, Grandpa. No, son, I think Grandpa is quite right. You're really not old enough to have a valuable heirloom like that. When you're grown up, it's quite time enough. You're all right, Mother. Don't excuse me, everyone. I really must get into that meeting. Mr. Secretary, would you mind going over the basic facts for me again? Uh, Not at all, Mr. President. The ship, the Alabama, was built for the Confederacy at Birkenhead, England. When our government learned of the ship and of her purpose, we asked England to detain the ship. But this was not done. England permitted the ship to sail, and she was used to great advantage by the Confederacy. Well, she certainly was. I have the statistics on the operation of the Alabama right here on my desk. And if England had detained her, which is a neutral she should have done, none of this would have ever resulted. Hand in hand with our problem concerning the Alabamas, our problem with the Newfoundland fisheries. There have been continual clashes between the fishermen all along the coast. And Fenian movements against Canada are taking place from all the Irish centers. Well, Mr. Secretary, have you a recommendation to offer? I would rather hear your recommendation first, Mr. President. Well, as you know, we have received a suggestion from the British government that a joint high commission made up of members of each government be created to arbitrate the differences of our respective countries. I think I would like to see such a commission established. It will be the first great international arbitration ever attempted. I'd like to see if it can't work. Mr. President, that is exactly what I was going to recommend. Then let us notify England immediately that we accept her suggestion and that we would like the commission to be put into action as soon as possible. I'll see to it immediately, sir. Well, unless there's something else you want to take up with me, I think I'll get back to my office and start getting the wheels in motion to bring this about. Mm, No, I haven't anything else, Mr. Secretary. I'll walk to the door with you. Ah, my, isn't this a beautiful day? I don't know when I've seen such glorious weather this time of year. And isn't it nice to be able to enjoy it and know there is peace within our country? I don't care what you say. You did not win the battle. We did too win the battle. You can read it in the papers for yourself. The Yankee paper. Ah, don't you start attacking our newspapers or I'll start telling you a thing or two about you. Oh, you read our newspapers, do you? No, we use them to light fires with. Our own are too valuable. Now, see here, you've gone too far. You've really gone too far. Yes. Is it possible to get a safe conduct across the battlefield uh, for the President of the United States and the Secretary of State? Cross at your own risk. <laughs> It would seem as though the war was long since over. Every place but in your own household, Mr. President. Oh, I don't know what to do with them. They're too old to spank and send to bed without supper. And besides, I know they don't mean a word they're saying. When my father was ill last year, Colonel Dent never left his bedside. Oh, I was afraid he might recover. Well, I did. There's good Yankee blood in me. Well, thank him, there's none in me. <laughs> well, good day, Mr. Secretary. Let me know as soon as there's any news of the commission, will you? I'll do that, Mr. President. Good day, sir. Good day. Isn't it time for you two to take your naps? I don't need a nap. Only the old gentleman here needs a nap. Uh, don't you refer to me as the old gentleman. You'll be dead before I am. I will not. You will, too. You're on the verge of apoplexy right now. Well, I can't me. listen to any more of this. I'm going out for a ride. Try and end the hostilities before I come back, would you? Look at that wagon travel. Father, that butcher wagon has a better horse than we had. 
We've never stopped and we're going fast. And he's stopped to make deliveries and overtaken us twice. Yes, I've noticed. He's stopping up ahead now. I think I'll have a talk with that butcher. Whoa. Whoa, boy, whoa. whoa. Hey, you. My father wants to talk to you. I didn't do it. You didn't do what? Come on, son. I didn't do anything. Who said you did? Well, boy said you wanted to talk to me. Usually if people want to talk to me, they've got something on their minds. Something they think is my fault. But it never is. Whatever it is, I didn't do it. Is that your horse? A horse didn't do anything either. My dear fellow, don't be so antagonistic. I just want to talk to you. Besides, your horse did too do something. Your horse passed my father's horse. What did you want him to do? Kneel and let you go by? Do you know who you're talking to? My father is the President of the United States. Quiet, son, quiet. President of the United States? I'm ruined. You goat that dares to call yourself a horse. Why didn't you nail and let the president go by? Tell me, would you like to sell the animal? Sell that fine animal? Sell that beautiful horse? Well, that horse is the only family I got. Well, I'll offer you a good price for him. A good price? A very good price. Well, like I said, what's a horse? You can get a horse any place. Uh, how good a price? Hmm, $200. $200? For that magnificent animal? <laughs> Look at those legs. Look at his eyes. Come around, put your hand in his mouth, feel his teeth. Two hundred dollars. I couldn't consider it. Well, I've got a dollar I'll loan you, Father. Two hundred and one dollars. Two hundred and one dollars. <laughs> You're joking, of course. <laughs> Two hundred and one dollars for a horse that passed the president's horse, the first horse in the land? And passed him so fast it looked so he was standing still. Well, then, two hundred and twenty-five dollars. Two hundred and... $25. You hear what he's offering for you, Charlie? I'm ashamed to have you even hear this. $225. My one hoof alone is worth that. Well, if that's the price of one hoof, I'm afraid your horse is beyond me. Good day, sir. Oh, what's your hurry? Uh, let's take a little time in discussion. Uh, perhaps I should let Charlie go at something less than his value. After all, how many horses get a chance to belong to the President of the United States? I don't want to stand in his way. Well, you name a price. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll let you steal this magnificent animal from me for uh, the paltry sum of $300. $300? No horse is worth that much money. Little boy, why don't you go someplace and play and let your pop and me discuss this matter? I'll give you $280. Take it or leave it. $280? Mm -hmm. $280 for a steed such as... Few men are fortunate enough to gaze upon in a lifetime. Well, come on, son. We're wasting our time here. Make it 290. For 290, I might reconsider. But 280, never. Well, never, well never. it's nice to have met you. Good day, good day. Don't go, Mr. President. It's robbery. It's stealing. It's thievery. Good day. But you talked me into it. Well, I'll take it. You'll what? I'll take it. I could never look that horse in the eye again if I stood in his way today. No. He's yours for $280. All right. Bring him around to the executive mansion tonight, and I'll give you the money. Get up. Come on, now. You know something, Father? I'd rather have the $280 than that horse. <laughs> so would the butcher, son. So would the butcher. <laughs> President, I've talked with the English minister and we'll proceed in establishing the commission at the earliest possible moment. 
Her Majesty's government is most anxious that this affair be settled as quickly and amiably as possible. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. That's very gratifying news. Now we must think about who we would like to appoint to the commission. I hope it works, Mr. President. It must work. I'm a fighting man, and yet I believe that the problems of the world must be settled at the peace table, not on the battlefield. And yet, if this arbitration cannot work, then we may be forced into war. Oh, Mr. Secretary, I hope not. I hope not. But if it does come, then we will fight, of course. We are not going to be dictated to by any foreign power, now or ever. The peace of our countries will be in the hands of this joint commission. But I believe they'll be able to keep peace. I pray almighty God they'll be able to keep peace. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. The American economic system has always preserved the basic freedoms of the individual, the freedom to work in the place of his choice, to bargain collectively, to contract his own affairs, to own property, to start an enterprise, to profit from his inventiveness and his investments, freedoms which are basic to our economic system itself. Since 1910, we have more than doubled the output of each of us for every hour we work. In the same period, we have increased our supply of machine power four and one-half times. Since 1910, we have also increased our annual income. Yet in the same period, we have reduced our working time. Remember, our unrivaled production goes hand-in-hand hand with the preservation of our basic freedoms. Our system may have its faults, but it has brought more benefits to more people than any other system, so at all times, work to protect and strengthen our American economic system. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, so listen closely. Representatives of our government sailed for Europe. As soon as they landed, they started their conferences. But the problems were weighty ones, and they found it hard to reach compatible decisions. Mr. President, I wish I had better news for you. But they just can't seem to get the problem straightened out. I understand now that England is asking us to state exactly what we want. Why, that's ridiculous. They know what we want. We've told them repeatedly. We want at least an expression of regret and the establishment of some sort of international law to govern the future. And we want reparations for all damage actually done by the, by the Alabama. And any other confederate ships supplied by the British. Sir John Rose is being very helpful, I know. Yes, he's the Canadian agent of London. He's a very shrewd man. But I must say, public feeling seems to be running high in England against us. Well, public feeling is running high here against England. What shall we do? Shall we make some sort of threat? No, no, no. I don't want to use threats. Not yet. Tell our representatives to be firm, but to make no threats. You're shaking your head. What's the matter? Don't you agree with me? I agree with you in theory but not completely in practice. Perhaps we need to show them that we do mean business. A conference table is not a battleground. The entire aim of a conference fails if any member of it lays a gun on the table and says, if I don't, if I don't like your decision, I'm going to start shooting. The aim of a conference is peace. You don't achieve peace by sticking a gun in your neighbor's back. But suppose it becomes impossible to find a solution. It must not be allowed to become impossible. I received word today that as soon as Sir John had something definite to talk about, he would come to this country and confer personally with us. Do you think things might be settled more quickly if we made a definite demand as to exactly what we want? Would that help? 
I think it would. All right. Tell them we want $15.5 million for the damages we suffered. I'll send that message immediately, Mr. President. Now, then, let's see what happens. Oh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's my new horse out there. Come and have a look at him. Oh, he's a splendid animal. Hey, looks it. <laughs> Evidently, my father and my father-in-law had him hitched up. Tell he has southern blood in him. Southern blood, nothing. That horse was born and raised in the north, Mr. Dent. Colonel Dent. Oh, no, don't go pulling your rank on me, and don't try to pull it on this northern horse. Any fool can look at that horse and see that he's got southern blood in him. Well, as long as you admit that it's a fool that would think that, I accept your statement, Mr. Dent. Colonel Dent, and don't call me a fool. I'm only calling you one by your own admission, Mr. Dent. Colonel Dent! Oh, go jump in a mint julep. That's a northern horse, whether you like it or not. I'm afraid it isn't, Father. Yeah, I told you it was a southern animal. Mm, but it isn't a southern animal either. Isn't a southern animal? Well, it has to be something, son. Well, that horse was born and raised in the west. Northwest? Southwest? West, west, just plain west. If you'll excuse me, Mr. President, I'll get this message off right away. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Secretary. I'd appreciate it very much. Good day, sir. You coming for a ride with us, Father? Mm, I don't know. I should really work. Oh, come along, darling. A few minutes' relaxation will do you good. Mm, you know, there's two things I've never been able to resist. A pretty woman and a fine horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've talked me into it. Come along, dear. I'll, I'll help you in. Is there any further word on the conference abroad? No, nothing new. But I think we'll have some very interesting developments in the next few weeks. <laughs> Sir John, it's a pleasure to have you with us here in Washington. Thank you, Mr. President. It's a pleasure to be here. I spent all last evening conferring with the Secretary of State, and I think we're going to be able to come to the end of our labors at last. Mm, I'm very happy to hear that, Sir John. England will pay the reparations you have asked, so that will settle the Alabama question. The other points are all written out so that you can study them at your leisure. I'll study them at once, Sir John. And then, if it meets with my approval, my Secretary of State will take the papers to Senator Sumner, who is chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate. We will need his approval, too, you know. Mr. President, I've just come from Senator Sumner. Yes? He's going to oppose the agreement. He seems to be quite anti-British at the moment. Mm, I know. I know. And more than being anti-British, he's anti-me. He doesn't like me, and he doesn't like my administration, and he has certainly not tried to hide it. Well, my personal opinion is that this whole question should be settled as soon as possible, the sooner the better. Yes, mine too. Well, uh, suppose you canvass the Senate and find out how many of the senators will help us. The plan is that the British delegates will come here now and go in session with our members of the commission, and isn't that it? Yes, that's right. All right, John. Canvas the Senate. The tail is not going to wag the dog. No man is going to hold up our negotiations. We'll get this treaty approved with the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee or without him. Uh, Julia, <laughs> look here. I want to show you something. Oh, what a lovely watch. <laughs> What's it for? Uh, well, it's a Christmas present I got for the boy. <laughs> he wants a watch so bad. And you're going to put it away until Christmas? Oh, yes, 
of course. That's what I bought it for. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's also what you bought the books for last year, and the sled, oh, and... Oh, yes, well, last year I hadn't been a father as long as I've been this year. <laughs> this year I won't do it. Well, I hope not, but we shall see what we shall see. Have you heard the news, Mr. President? It's all over town. Everyone's talking about it. What news? Yes, sir, now we're really getting someplace. Getting where? Isn't it exciting, Father? Well, what is it? What's, what's exciting? By George, maybe you can get action out of a Yankee after all. Why, thank you, Colonel Dan. Well, truth's true, so I never want to be unjust. I guess it's the best news we've had in weeks. It's only a matter of time now. Will somebody please tell me what's going on? You mean you don't know? No one told you. There's a Yankee town for you. Oh, Father Washington is a southern town. Well, maybe it was once, but it's fully Yankees now. I want to know what's happened, and I want to know right now. Well... Mr. Sumner has been removed as chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. No. Yes. Finest Senate we've ever had in this town. I said it the minute I saw him. Oh, darling, isn't that wonderful? Oh, yes, yes, it is wonderful news. Now there will be no obstacles in our way and we'll be able to reach a peaceful settlement with England. How about the rest of the senators, Father? The Secretary of State talked to all of them individually. The vast majority are in our corner, and Sumner's removal as chairman of the committee assures us that the Senate wants to help the commission settle our differences once and for all with England. Well, sir, now that that's settled, where were we? Oh, oh I don't know. Uh, had we reached Sherman's march to the sea? Yes, that's exactly where we were. Mm. Now, let me tell you where you Yankees made your first mistake. We didn't make any mistake. Oh, yes, you did. And I'm going to show you. We take the march to the sea from the very beginning. Oh, now, wait a minute, boys. I wish you wouldn't. Let him take it. I'll show him up from the very beginning. Well, I'm afraid you won't be able to do it right now, Father. It's time for your nap. Oh, sure. Julia, you have all the makings of a very domineering woman. Didn't I teach you not to interrupt when men were talking? Yes, Father, you certainly did. But in those days, I was younger, and so were you. In those days, you could send me for a nap... But now I'm afraid things have turned around a little, and I have to take care of you. From the time a man is born, he's in trouble with women. All right, Julia, all right, we're going. See you after a while, Grandpa. Don't you have to take a nap, son? Oh, no. Oh. I'm too big for that stuff. Well, have a good rest, Father. We'll see you at dinner. You know, it isn't right the way she orders me around. Colonel Dent, I agree with you. Now, if you just put your... Look at them, thick as flies again. They really like each other. Why, of course they do. The people in this country have always liked one another. And they've always been able to get along until that one serious squabble that developed into a real war. But I don't think anything like that will happen again. I think from now on until the ending of recorded time, this will be one nation indivisible. Because there is our strength. Standing together... No one can harm us. But if we let dissension grow in the ranks, if we permit ourselves to lose our common understanding and our common bond of freedom and democracy, then and only then would we be in real danger. We must all stand together, son. Remember that. And live by it. The freedoms we love and cherish must be defended by all of us and by all of us standing together. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. 
Despite aid by various government agencies, immediate day-to-day help is still urgently needed by countless people overseas. It must continue to come from private agencies and individuals. The most efficient way to send it is through CARE, a non-profit organization which guarantees delivery of any one of its several different types of packages to addressees designated by you. CARE has inaugurated a $5.50 thrift package. And, of course, the familiar $10 package is still available. Just mail your check or money order to CARE, New York, and specify the type of package you want to send. Give your name, address, and the name and address of the recipient. If you don't know anyone, a needy family will be chosen for you. That's CARE, New York, New York. And now, back to Edward Arnold. Son, I have a little box here I've been meaning to give you. What is it, Father? Uh, well, you just open it and see. <gasps> it's a watch! Oh, Father, thank you! Thank you! Mother, come and see what Father gave me! Mr. President, I thought you were going to wait until Christmas. Oh, sure. Jesse couldn't wait until Christmas. Oh, yes, he could. He didn't know anything about this watch. It was Jesse's father who couldn't wait. Well, you're right, Julia. I just couldn't. Someday, Jesse, you can tell your children, my father always gave me my Christmas presents months ahead of time. But he always gives me more at Christmas. Yes, I know. No. What I'm going to tell my children is that I had the most wonderful father in the world. There, you see. (laughs) And, And when I was a little boy, he was president of the United States. President Ulysses S. Grant. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. This program is produced and directed by Joe Graham. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM picture, Annie Get Your Gun. Heard with Mr. Arnold in today's cast were Gertrude Warner, William Adams, Kermit Murdoch, Maurice Cavell, and your narrator, Santos Ortega. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings and is written by Gene Holloway. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President Ulysses S. Grant. Sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting factual story of Mr. President. The preceding program is transcribed. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.